Amen. You guys on vacation this morning? <laughs> we may need to stand up and do some jumping jacks or something. You guys with me? Yes, okay. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of uh, Acts chapter 4. We are in part 3 of a, uh, a series in, in, uh, called Bold, and we've been looking at the chap, uh, Acts chapters 4 and 5, and I'm going st- <laughs> to start off with something. I don't like cats, and I don't, I don't want to start a fight. Some of you are cat people. God bless you, and I mean that because I, here's the deal. Like, I grew up, and I, I had a best friend, and, and I was in like the you know, early grade school, and his name was Billy Kellogg, and Billy had cats. His mom, his mom and dad, they had cats in their home, and I can remember Staying the night at Billy's, and I, I would stay over there, you know, on the week, you know, stay a weekend or something, or stay a night over on a weekend. And I remember every time I stayed at Billy's house, my wake up call in the morning would be a cat digging its claws into my legs. And ever since then, like, I don't know, like, I've just not, I've just, I've just not, me and cats, I don't know what it is. I had someone try to give me one one time, and I said, no, you can just keep it. I just, I, and I'm not, I just don't care much for cats. And it just, and sometimes, to be honest with you, like, I'm just not a pet person. We didn't have pets growing up. And, and, and I know it's like an odd way to begin, but I, I want to just say something because some of you are like, you know, the politically correct versions are going, well, that's just not a very nice thing to say that you don't like cats. That's just not a nice thing to say. And here's the deal. You see, some of this politically correct stuff in our culture today has, has like trickled its way into the church. And all of a sudden, where, where we would you know, feel pretty strongly about something, we, we would say something along, along the lines of this, well, I don't want to offend anybody by sharing the gospel with them, so I'm just going to let my life be the example. I'm just going to let my life be the witness. And you know, that's good, because we do want our lives to back up the thing that we profess to believe in, right? Like we want our lives to back up. We want to be lights. We want our lives to reflect the light of Christ. We want to live that way. We want to live for Jesus. But there comes a point when we have to say something. Like it can't just be, I'm going to let my life, uh, you know, just to, 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 be, this, to, to be this witness. Um, because there's times that our, we need our words to be the witness and we need to speak boldly. Our key thought through this whole series in, the, in, the, in this bold series has been that boldness is behavior, behavior born out of belief. That what we believe affects the way we live. And so we've talked about amazing boldness, where we talked about our faith. We talked about um, um, bold prayers, you know, that what we pray reflects how we believe in or what we believe in God. And then today, this key idea that we're going to have is that we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply deeply. And, and, and so, in fact, if we look throughout the book of Acts, we, we find so many verses about New Testament Christians that believed deeply that Christ was not dead, but instead was alive. If you, if you, we're going to be in chapters 4 and 5, but in Acts chapter 9, we see uh, uh, Saul was going to persecute Christians. He has his road to Damascus experience 
and, and, uh, and, 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 and meets Christ uh, there, and, and his Bible, or his life is transformed, and in, in, in Acts chapter 9, verse 28, it tells us that this was the change that happened in, in, in Saul transformed to Paul. He was going to persecute Christians. Now in Acts chapter 20, it says, so he went in and amount of, among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of Jesus. Then we look at Acts chapter 14 and we find Paul and, and Barnabas. And in Acts chapter 14, verse three, it says, so they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now, in Acts chapter four, where we're gonna be at today, we see verse 31. And so that if you remember back in this, in this well, I'll give you a little bit of context. Paul, or, or Peter and John were arrested for uh, preaching boldly. Then we get to the end of the, or the, the verse 31 of, of Acts chapter four, and it says they were praying for boldness and said when they had prayed, the place uh, in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Why? Because we speak boldly about the things we believe deeply. To catch you up in our story, how this whole thing even begins to happen is that Paul and or Peter and 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 John are walking into Jerusalem and they're going to the temple and 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 they they see this 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 beggar this this lame guy on the side of the road and he's asking for alms and and Peter just sits down next to him and he says hey silver and gold have I none but what I get what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ he tells him rise and walk and the guy pick stands up and a guy who'd been lame for forty years is now walking around and he had been healed. And, and um, now nobody could, you, you could just imagine the buzz that was created when, when this guy who is a known, known lame guy, and now he's walking around town. And so everybody's talking about it. But the religious leaders of the time, the Sanhedrin, they didn't like the fact that, that Peter and John had done this. They didn't like that they were talking about the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus wasn't dead. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And so there was a lot of things happening in this, in this environment that, that was, were, were, was great for the gospel, but not so great for those proclaiming it. So the Sanhedrin puts them on trial. They threaten them they questioned them. They, they either wanted to keep them in prison or they wanted to kill them, uh, but they were trapped. You see, the problem was there was a guy who could not walk and who now is walking, and everybody knew it, so they really couldn't come down hard on Peter and John. And then, so that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning. So before we get into uh, about the middle part of of. Acts chapter 4, let's bow and go to Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this weekend. Uh, we thank you for the extra day of rest that you have given us. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be here together and to worship together and, and, and to, to, to make much of your name because your name is worthy of that, Lord. And Lord, we know that you are sovereign, and Lord, you have a, a, a will and a way, and God, we pray that you would help us to, to know that, to understand it. We pray that we would have the faith and the courage to take the next step that you're calling us to take. And Lord, there are times that we're not going to know what the details are, and Lord, that's because uh, maybe you don't want us to, or maybe we don't need to know them, but you have given us that next step to take. 
And Father, I pray that you would help us to faithfully take that. Lord, I pray for uh, this church as a whole and, and for us to be bold, Lord. God, I pray that our, our faith would be bold. I pray that our prayers would be bold. And Lord, as we're talking today, Lord, I pray that our, our speech would be bold. And God, that we would just, uh, all these things would be bold, Lord, because we know how great and marvelous and mighty and spectacular that you are. That, Lord, we would be constantly reminded that the whole world could be against us, but God, if you are for us, none can stand against us. That, God, we would have the courage and the faith to know, Lord, that if you're calling us to do something, that we can step forward in that, knowing that, that you know the path and you know the way and that you're going to provide for us and protect and, and do your thing. And, God, you're not going to fail or let us down. And so, God, I pray that, that as we've studied through the, these, these two weeks, and Lord, today the third, that, God, our faith would be I increased, that we would find encouragement in the, in the pages of your word, and that, God, it would breathe life into us. Lord, I know there are some here today that are weary, God, and I pray that your strength would, would, would manifest itself in them. Lord, I know there are some here today that are discouraged, Father, and, God, I pray that their hope would be renewed in your word. God, I pray for those that just find themselves in a place of suffering, Lord, that they would find healing in, in, your, in, in, in your holy word. God, your word is, is everything that we need, and you are all we need. And so, God, I pray that we would find what we need in you this morning. And, Father, we ask all these things in the mighty and the awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Acts chapter 4, we're going to begin reading this morning uh, in about, uh, in verse 16, where uh, we're kind of backtracking a little bit. They're, they're, so what has happened is, is they've been in, in prison, and, and, and uh, they've been before the Sanhedrin, um, and, and Paul, or Peter, I don't know why I keep going back to Paul, Peter is testifying uh, greatly about him, and, and an interesting thing happens in verse 16, and they're, they're uh, well, let's go back to 15, it says, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, of course, this is referring to, to, to Peter and John, when the Sanhedrin had told them to leave, they conferred with one another, and they said this in verse 16, what shall we do with these men? So they face this conundrum of what do we do with these guys? And it says, for, the, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. He's saying, look, what, what are we going to do these guys? Because something incredible has happened, and we can't deny that. Like we, we don't understand it. We don't get how it happened. We can't explain it. But something miraculous has happened, and we cannot deny it. And I love that. I love that there are these guys who don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. And yet there's these two guys boldly professing that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. And, and, and if you look back, he says in verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so he's sharing this with these people, and at every turn we see Peter reaffirming what, he, what was accomplished in the name of Jesus and by the strength of God. And they're like, what can we do? Like, we can't deny that this amazing thing has happened. And you know, God is good at doing stuff like that. God is good at, 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 at making things happen, and, and we don't understand 
and we don't understand why, or we don't even maybe understand what all was involved, but all we can step back and say, we cannot deny that something incredible happened. I sometimes think, going back last week when we talked about praying bold prayers, if God doesn't want us to pray for things that only he can do, you know what I mean? So many times the things we pray for, the things that we embark on, we only embark on the things we think we can accomplish, that I can do on my own. Well, I'm, you know, when he asks us to do something we're not good at, or, or, or maybe have a little bit of uncertainty in the future, we say, well, I, I, just don't, I just don't think I can do that. But if it's something simple that we believe that we can do, we're really not relying on him for anything. But God loves to do things that are unexplainable. He loves to do things that, that nobody else can do. He loves to do things that will blow our minds and that we can't even understand how, but we cannot deny that he did something. You see, God can radically heal marriages. God can heal us of our diseases. God can free us from our addictions. He can rescue us from our fears. He can deliver us out of our darkness. He can do all those things. We serve a mighty God. I remember as a kid, you know, believing that God could do anything like he created the, the stars and the sky and he parted the seas and, and, and he helped David defeat Goliath and he helped David, you know, slaughter this, this, the, the, the bear and the lion and he did all these amazing things and all these amazing people and he can do anything. But what happens to us as we get older? It's almost like that faith that childlike faith that God can do anything, all of a sudden it begins, maybe it, it, it wilts. Maybe we grow up and we think, well, I've just gotten a little bit more mature and my, my mind reasons a little bit better and that can't possibly happen. And the reality is that the only thing that's changed is my faith in God, not who God is and what God's able to accomplish. He can do all things. He can do anything. But do we believe that he can? When we pray, do we, is, it, is it like I, my football coach in high school used to say there's no, he, I don't know why he said it, he said there's no hope in a prayer. And his idea was like, you know, you don't just close your eyes and chuck a football and, you know, hope it comes down where you want it to in the hands of your receiver or your player. But sometimes, and that's kind of what I think wonder if our prayer life is like sometimes, that we just kind of toss something up and hope it sticks. Well, God, if you're listening... You know, if you can do anything, I'm reminded of a guy who says, if you can do something, Jesus says, if, if I can. I think sometimes that's the way God, well, if you can, or that we're using this prayer as a last resort. Listen, God can do anything, and he does things all the time that would blow our minds. And so uh, we, we, he loves to do that. Let's keep reading in verse 17. It says, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. They said, we've got to put a stop to this. And so in verse 18, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, and I love this, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or listen to you rather than God, you must judge. I think they're saying, listen, we know what's right. Now, whether or not you agree with us that us preaching is right or not, that's for God to judge. But here's what they say. 
Verse 20, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. And so in other words, they're saying we believe deeply and therefore we're going to speak. And, 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 and they, 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 had to, they, they wanted these guys to understand, listen, you can threaten us, you can beat us, you can imprison us, you can do whatever you want to us, but you're never going to get us to quit talking about Jesus and what he's done. You can put us to death and our lives will still be a, a testimony, but the last thing we will speak is you are putting us to death. We will be professing the name of Jesus, that his name is that good. And if they said, if you saw the people that we've seen you, and, and you've, you've seen the sins that he's forgiven, you've talked about it. If you saw the miracles that we've seen, you just can't keep it to yourself. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. The things that we have seen and the people that Jesus has saved and the lives that have been changed and the miracles performed. And y'all are being too quiet this morning. Because God is good, is he not? God performs miracles, does he not? And you know, I love what David says. He's talking about, you know, I'm going to profess that I'm going to sing and I'm going to shout and declare these great and marvelous things that you have done. And the church today, we're like... Hmm. Yep. Hmm. I think sometimes excitement can be a little contagious, amen? It can be a little exciting when, when someone gets excited about what Jesus is doing. When he's answering prayers. I got a phone call last night. Miss Jean called me last night. What was it, like 9 o'clock? Call me at 9 o'clock. I don't care. She said, I just want to share something with you. She said, you want a hallelujah report? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And she proceeded to tell me about how uh, her son Mick, his boss, had, had colon cancer and been doing chemo. And they thought they were going to have to put one of those bags on his side. And his doctors called in the bag and said, hey, can you, be, uh, can you show up for surgery on this date? We think we can remove it like we'd remove a polyp and we won't have to do the big surgery. God is good, amen? amen. God does things that no one can explain when the whole time the doctor is saying, I got to do this, and all of a sudden they come back and say, well, we don't have to do that. We can now do something else because something good's been happening in your body. Oh, and, you, and, we, and here's what we do. We think to ourselves, well, thank God for that. But you know what? Why don't tell the doctor, boy, I thank God my church has been praying for me and God just made things better. Nothing to be ashamed of there, is there? To thank God for what, and, and, to, and to praise God for what God's doing. And we, so we speak boldly. And there's some things that, that we can't help but talk about. And we all do this in different ways, don't we? You get excited about something, you talk about it. The great catch in the game. We were, I was talking with uh, Craig this morning about the, the Mizzou football game and some of the catches. And you know we were just talking about stuff. We were excited about Mizzou football. Some of you get excited about The Bachelor and the latest twist and who he gave the rose to and who he didn't give the rose to. And you're like, oh, did you catch it last night? And I'm like, no, I was relacing my shoes. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. I missed it. Trimming my, shrub, my shrubs with, with toenail clippers. I didn't have time to catch that one. Right? 
But we get excited about that stuff. We get excited about a new song that we, uh, we heard on the radio. Or we get excited about a new restaurant. Man, I've heard some of you talk more passionately about food than you do a lot of the other things in your life. Man, this restaurant was fa- big old burger. And you're, we, just, we go on and on. And we talk about it. Then it comes to Jesus and we're just like, you know, we just almost like, you know, I, we don't shut down, but we don't speak as emphatically or as excitedly about Jesus as what we should. And so I want to share with you some things this morning about speaking boldly about what we believe deeply and give four areas where I believe God wants us to speak, not just live as a witness, but to speak boldly because you believe deeply. Number one is this, speak boldly to yourself. Speak boldly to yourself. Did you know that you are a preacher? I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Some of the best sermons I've ever preached, I've preached to myself. I wish that science would come up with a device that would like, you could just plug in and what you thought it would record so that you could come back and like remember. But I'll be laying in bed at night and, and, and that's basically what this is. Speak boldly to yourself. Preach to yourself. Encourage yourself. David does this in 1 Samuel. If you, if 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, he says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Are you distressed? Are you discouraged? Do you feel defeated? Do you, are, you, are you covered up in anxiety? Are you fearful about something? Are you stressed and over a decision that needs to be made? Do what David did. David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He preached himself a sermon. He encouraged himself. He spoke boldly to himself about God. Now, I don't know what he said. Maybe he said something along the lines of, I remember when I was a young shepherd boy out in the field with no one to protect me and a lion came and God gave me the strength to strike that lion down. God, this situation seems daunting, but I remember another daunting uh, task whenever there was no one else in the whole army of Israel that would go and stand in front of your, uh, in front of Goliath. But in your strength and by your power, I remember when you God gave, when God, you gave me the faith to stand in front of that giant and declare you uncircumcised Philistine and uh, you have come against the armies of the living God. And today you're going to be beat down and I'm going to be the one to do it. And, and so in the name of God, you're, you know, you're going to be defeated. And he takes a stone and he throws it and it hits the dude in the eye, between the eyes. And bam, the giant's defeated by, by, by a young dude that, it, that really his brothers thought didn't have any reason to be on that battlefield that day at all. But yet God used him to slay the giant. Whatever it is, he preached to himself and encouraged himself. And church, we need to do the same thing. To speak boldly to yourself. Now, when I say speak boldly to yourself, I'm not talking about let's get on Facebook and find a good meme or one of those, those uh, you know, those, uh, oh, they have them in the posters in school. They're like the, uh, the, the sayings on there, you know, the, what are they called? Motivation, that's the word. Those motivational sayings. I'm talking about Renew yourself and encourage yourself with the Word of God. Now, what do we got to do to do that? Well, one, we got to spend time in the Word. Number two, I would encourage you to memorize the Word, to memorize it. 
to spend some time memorizing what God's Word says and then using that as a, as a, a time to preach to yourself. Man, I remember that the Lord is my strong tower. He is my refuge and my strength. If God is for me, no one can be against me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Just all these different things, go, you know, just offer that encouragement to us. And so to be reminded of that, and not to be reminded by the words of man, but be reminded by the word of God. Because I believe so deeply, every now and then, maybe daily, I've got to encourage myself in the Lord. Some of you are preachers and you didn't even know it. That we have the opportunity to speak boldly because you believe deeply and you preach encouragement to yourself from God's word. The second part is kind of, you kind of call it 1A and 1B because it's kind of the same. You know, we preach to ourselves or we speak encouragement to other people. I will say this. I believe the church ought to be one of the most encouraging places on the face of the planet. It ought to be. We build one another up in the Lord. We support one another. We speak encouragement to one another. We speak life to one another. We should be, this should be one of the most encouraging places. And Christians ought to be some of the most encouraging people on the planet. Scripture says in, in Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called the day. Second, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up. You never know how your encouragement can change someone's life. And I'm standing here today talking to you because somebody encouraged me along the line. You're here today probably because someone, and think about how good, I got a card this, you know, this past uh, week, about, uh, well, not this past week, but the week before. And I'm telling you, there wasn't really anything you know, bad going on. But even in the midst of a good day, to get an encouraging car, like that just feels good, doesn't it? Just to know someone's thinking about you, someone's praying for you. Or a text, just say, hey, just want to let you know that we're praying for you. Man, that's fantastic. Or, or a Facebook message, hey, just really enjoyed services on Sunday. And just, you know, it just feels good to get that encouragement. And you know, it doesn't take someone 30 seconds to hammer out a text. But you know what? We encourage one another. There are times that maybe the Holy Spirit prompts us that we need to, to just shoot a text to someone. Say, hey, you're really doing a great job leading the music. Or, hey, I want to let you know that, that Aniston came home from, school, from church on Sunday morning and was telling me about what she learned. And you're doing a fantastic job teaching my kids. You know? To just give, to be just that encouragement, to just share that with other people. And I want to encourage you because that's what I want to do. So don't quit. Don't grow weary in doing good. Some of you are growing weary. You're doing good. You're not seeing a whole lot from it. For at the proper time and the proper season, you will reap a harvest. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on the dream that God has placed in your heart. Don't give up on the vision that God has given you. Don't give up on the ministry that you're taking part in, uh, that, that you know or that you know is buried deep down within your heart and you just don't feel capable of doing it. And by all means, don't give up on God because God will never give up on you. I had a conversation with a young man this week and and, uh, and he, was just, he was just honest with me. He said, you know, I just, I, just, uh, I just don't know that I believe anymore. 
And I was talking to a mutual friend, and, and I, I wondered out loud to him. I said, to me, there's just got to be something that happened. There's, something's gone on that, that has just created this sense of, of doubt in his heart. And, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't matter. I think sometimes we all become susceptible to that. That an event can happen in life that causes us to have some doubt about the goodness of God or what God why God does things, or does God even exist? And I want to encourage you this morning, don't, don't ever doubt. He, 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 he never changes. He has not changed in your life. He will not change in your life. Keep the faith. I know there are times when we, get, we can find ourselves in situations and we think, how in the world could this have ever happened? But our hope is in Christ Jesus. And keep that hope focused on him. I'm hoping, maybe this morning, you may be walking out of here today and you may see, see somebody and you can't leave here without speaking some encouragement to them. Some of you are here this morning because I, I think you don't know this and I didn't know this when you got here, but maybe some of you are here this morning because there's someone here this morning that wants to speak some encouragement to you. And so if you're leaving here this morning and you see someone and God prompts your heart, don't see like, well, I'll shoot them a text later. Tell them to their face. Have that interpersonal communication with them and share with them the encouragement that you're going to lift someone up today because you believe deeply and you have to speak boldly. And I pray that our church would be bold encouragers. The third thing this morning is to speak correction. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lovingly correct you. Because I believe so much in that what God says is right or what God says is wrong, and I love you so much that I have to lovingly correct you. Now, notice that lovingly word, lovingly correct. This isn't um, you know, going home and, and cutting down your kids or cutting down your wife or cutting down a buddy with, with God's word. This isn't going out and being a jerk in the name of Jesus, right? Okay. It, it, biblical corrections, when someone steps outside the word of God and you love them enough that you're, not, that you're going to, to correct them lovingly according to Matthew 18, that we love you too much to let you go this way. It could be that maybe you're a girl and uh, you've got a, a friend that's always trash-talking her husband. He's not a spiritual leader. He's not this. He's not that. And you just have enough and you say something along the lines of, you know what? I love you and your marriage too much to let you keep talking about this. He'll never be the man that God's created him to be if you keep cutting him down at the knees. And sometimes we need to speak that boldness. And we can get discouraged and we can get in a place. And, and you know, I don't, if we're not careful, don't we all kind of have a tendency to, to, to get on the, the negative train? And just like if one thing goes wrong, all of a sudden everything else is wrong and things that weren't wrong five minutes ago now is wrong and we just make everything wrong, 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 and we're like, and then, you know, before long, like nothing makes you happy anymore. You're just negative Nancy all the time. And it's a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. So we got to be cautious of that. But you know what? If I get that way, I want someone to come and say, dude... Eat a Snickers, <laughs> right? Get off the train. I bought you a new ticket. I love you too much to see you just living in, in, in negativity all the time. But I want, I want someone to lovingly correct 
me when I'm wrong. Or, or it could be that everyone, that you know, that, that you know someone who's addicted and, and you love them too much to let their life spiral out of control and so you confront it. But we lovingly correct. And I say lovingly because I want to stress that because you never know. Well, I do know you will be on the other side of the conversation at some point. We don't correct people because we are better than them. Because we're not. We correct them because we love them. And because we see that, that, that their life is headed in a direction that is not good. And so we correct by the word of God. The word, God's word is the judge, not us. But we also have to maintain the attitude of humility because it's going to be our turn at some point because I'm not perfect either. And so we've got to understand that. But we speak boldly. Why? Because Not because you're better again, but because you believe deeply and you love intensely and you desire the best for the people that we are in fellowship with. So you speak boldly. And then finally, and I would say this might be the most important thing in all this, is that we speak boldly to lead others, others to Christ. We speak boldly to lead others to Christ. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lead you toward Christ. Look at, uh, again, verse 20 of Acts chapter 4. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Jesus has saved me. He didn't just improve my life. He didn't just forgive me of my sins. He didn't just put me on a path to a better way. He literally saved me. He took something that was dead and without life and breathed life into death. He's the only one that can do that. He saved me. And if you are here this morning and you are a Christian, God saved you. He did not bless you. He did not uh, give you a better life. He literally rescued and brought you from death to life. You were dead and now you live. You are alive because of him. He saved you. And I cannot help but speak about that. Jeremiah says that your word is like a, a fire shut up in my bones, and if I don't speak it, it's just going to literally consume me. And I pray that that fire would be so stoked in us that if we don't say anything, that we're just going to feel like we're going to explode in, 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 in telling the world about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for me. He has saved us. He didn't pat us on the back and speak a little word of encouragement to us. He didn't give us a passing grade out of, out of his grace. He literally has saved us. And think of all he saved us from because of his grace. And when we think of all he's done for us, we should not be quiet about it. Amen. We should not be. That we should speak boldly. And let others know about Christ. Why is speech such an important part of it? Well, the book that comes after the book of Acts is the book of Romans. If you have to flip open over a few chapters, uh, or, uh, or several pages over to Acts chapter 10, or Romans chapter 10, I want to read something to you. 
And I think it fits well with this idea, well, I just want to live my life as a witness. You know, I don't want to say anything that might offend, so let me just live this way. Let me share with you what, what, what Paul writes in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so I want you to remember that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's encouraging, right? It doesn't say if you do A, B, C, D through Z first, then you call on his name, then you're saved. He says, listen, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he poses a question. He says in verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him? Of whom they've not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? See, down to verse six. And so, so he says um, in verse 17 so faith comes from what, if you have that out? From hearing. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word. How are they gonna believe if no one speaks? You see, living a good life is great. Living a good life, I believe, is a biblical mandate that we live in a way that represents God, that we reflect his light, so we live good. He says, be holy, because I, for I am holy. So there's, our conduct is important. We don't believe in Jesus and then live like God doesn't exist. That's not the call of a Christian. We are made in the likeness of Christ. We are to clothe ourselves in Christ Jesus, and so there is a conduct aspect to our faith walk, but there is also very much a speech aspect to our faith walk, that we are to make disciples, that we are to declare Jesus and what he has done. People aren't going to believe based just on the way we live. A lot of us have known people who were great people fantastic people, give you the shirt off their back people, but they did not know Jesus. They did not know Jesus. And if we want people to be saved, we have to tell them about the one that does the saving. We have to verbally share it. That I'm not a good neighbor just because I hope that you'll be a good neighbor back to me. I'm a good neighbor because I'm a child of God, and I'm a good neighbor because Jesus wants you to be saved too. That Jesus wants you to know that he loves you, and he cares deeply for you, and he gave his life for you. That's what ma Jesus makes me a good neighbor. Jesus makes me a good boss. Jesus makes me a good, employ a good employee. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And we share that. And it's not that difficult. We just have to get over the fear of doing it. Because I believe every, most of us here have probably had those promptings. Or we think, you know, we're, we're, he, God says, hey, tell them what I've done. And you think, man, they're never going to believe it. Or you think, man, how are they going to respond to it? Are they going to think I'm just a weirdo because here I am tell, you know, talking about a God that maybe they don't believe in. It doesn't matter when you've seen what we've seen and you've heard what we've heard and you've experienced what we've experienced. I can tell you right now that there is nobody, nobody that will ever change my mind that Jesus saved me from my, from my sins. Nobody. 
There is no one who will ever be able to talk me out or reason me out of saying that I, did not, that I was not dead and Jesus made me alive. Nobody. Why? Because I know what I have seen. I know what I have heard and I know what I have experienced. And someone else's lack of a belief is not going to impact my belief. In fact, I may just pray even harder for them. But for us, we will speak boldly about the things we believe deeply. And I think the inverse is true. We won't speak boldly about things that we don't believe deeply. And I want us to understand this morning, Jesus, Jesus is not a, a, a savior who says, who, who, who says, listen, if you'll just come to me and pray a prayer of faith, you can go live the rest of your life however you want to live it. But that's not the God that we serve. That's not what he tells us. You see, God wants us to have a relationship with him. And he wants us to tell others about him so that they can come to a knowledge of Jesus because if they don't hear about him, they're not gonna know to believe in him. They have to hear about him. They have to hear us speak boldly about him. Some of you are like, well, you know, I, we talk about testimonies a lot. Some of you are like, well, I just don't really have a story. You do have a story. I, I was at, at, at church camp here back over the summer and I had one night to speak. And so I go down and I speak and I just shared a little bit about, you know, uh, my lack of a, a, a athletic career. But I just kind of gave my story about what God's plans were for me to go to college, that it wasn't to play sports, that it was, you know, that he had a greater plan, and I didn't know it at the time, and I'm just elaborating on that. I had one student come up to the end, and he kind of found himself, right, he had suffered an injury and could never play the sport he loved ever again, and he said, I'm really struggling with it because I loved it. And he said, how did you get over it? And I just, I just told him, I said, God had something better for me. I didn't realize it at the time, but God had something far greater than anything I was ever going to accomplish on an athletic field. And I said, God's got something better for you too. You just need to be seeking him out and praying about it. See what he's got for you. See what direction he wants you to go. Because he's got something better. And you know what? 200 kids, 200 people, one kid. And you know what? If your story makes a difference in one life, that's fantastic. If your story can change one life, and you know what? Some of you got some pretty amazing stories. All of you have amazing stories. You don't think so, but what God's done in your life, what God has called you out of, what God has called you into, what God has, has redeemed you from, what God is doing in your life now, what God did in your life then, what God's doing in your life in the future. All of us have a story. And all of our stories impact the lives of other people for the gospel. But we put Jesus into it. You see, for me to go to college and be a career backup and not have, it's just, it's achieve any of the goals athletically, like that, that's kind of a downer story. But when I think about God sending me up there and God placing four young dudes in my life 
that helped me get my, because when I went there, my, I was not living for Jesus at all. I went to church on Sundays and I did whatever I wanted to the rest of the week. But God placed some guys in my life that had the testimonies, that had the, the life experiences. All of a sudden, I started listening to the words that were coming out of their mouth. Were they perfect guys? No. I didn't hold that against them. I was far from perfect myself. But what they said resonated it deeply. We can't begin to fathom the sovereignty of God's plan and how God brings people together at intersections in life. I thought I was going to McKendry College to play football. I was going to McKendry College because that's where Jesus was meeting me at. And he had done all this work to get me there. And there are people right now that God has been working in your life and God has been working in this other person's life and y'all are going to come together at just the right moment. And your testimony, your story about God's working in your life will be the difference between life and death for them. It's not your job to save them, but it is your job to tell them about Jesus. It is your job to plant that seed and to give them an opportunity. So church, speak boldly. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It is, the salva- it is for the salvation of all people. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the faith you have. Don't be ashamed of the life that you're trying to live for him and everybody else is mocking and ridiculing because you're trying to live for Jesus. Don't be ashamed and and just keep plugging. Be bold. And some of you this morning, maybe the, the, the boldness you need today might be the boldest thing you've ever done. And that may be to just finally to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's a bold step. And it starts us living on a life of boldness. For us to recognize that, that, I'm, a, that I'm a sinner and that, I, that, I'm, that, that the Bible says that without Christ that I'm just dead. But that God get, loved us so much that he gave his son to be a sacrifice for us. And that Jesus was willing that, willingly, willingly that sacrifice to die for us, to pay a debt that we couldn't pay to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, and he dies for us. And more than that, he rises again on the third day, and he's alive. And again, that that beautiful phrase in, in Romans 10, 13, for anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is, will be saved. And maybe this morning, that's the prayer you need to pray. Maybe church this morning, for the rest of us, it's that we would be bold. That we would no longer, you know, be quiet, quiet, that we'd no longer be silent. That that fire, like Jeremiah said, that fire would be so stoked in us that we have to let it out. And that we'd be faithful to proclaim his goodness. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer this morning. God, I can't speak for anybody else. I can only speak for myself. And God, I will publicly right now pray that, God, you would make me more bold. That I would speak your word more boldly. That I would speak of who you are more boldly. That I would be more bold to encourage. That, God, I would be more bold to lovingly correct. That I would be bold in receiving the correction of others. And that, God, that I would be more bold 
with the greatest privilege you could have bestowed on us as your children, and that is in leading other people to Christ Jesus. So God, I I pray right now that maybe even now you're putting people on our mind that we're to share the gospel with. That you're putting people on our mind that need to hear our story. The story that you have given us, the story that you have written so that we can lead others to you. Father, I pray this morning for those that may be here today that, Lord, they've not called on your name. They've not confessed you with their mouth, believed in their heart that you are that you are the Savior, that, that, that you have been risen from the dead and that you are alive today. Maybe today they've not confessed their sins and, and asked you to forgiveness and to cleanse them from, from all the, the filth and the brokenness and the sin that's, that's in each of our hearts. And God, today I pray for those that maybe today, as the Bible says, are dead in their sins and trespasses. Today would proclaim your name and profess you to be their Lord and Savior. And that, God, you would breathe life into them and that they would know you and the free gift of salvation. Father, I pray that we would be bold for you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the Lord is dealing with your heart about anything at all. As always, we just want to have a moment of, of, uh, of response. So maybe this morning, God's calling you to come and pray a prayer for boldness, or God's calling you to be bold and come and pray a prayer of salvation. But whatever it is, meet me down here and we'll pray as we're led into him.